0: Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, job one for state IT leaders is fighting for change.
1: I would suggest that they remember those words, that the the philosophy or the... uh... The concept of it can be done and, and work hard at it. And that's what we were able to do.
0: A new year might not mean a new to do list for state CIOs.
2: Now in 2022, we see many of these priorities as filling in the gaps that still exist from the tremendous work the states did over the past year plus during the pandemic.
0: Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast, sponsored today by Deloitte. Each week, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community on Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world, as well as the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Let's take a look at what's happening across state and local government technology this week. The National Association of State Chief Information Officers annual list of federal advocacy priorities is out. The list contains four key goals on how the association wants to work with the federal government. NASIO Executive Director Doug Robinson says Homeland Security Department officials need to clarify how states can tap into the billion dollars that the infrastructure bill includes for state and local cyber. Robinson says the cyber grant program is making, quote, real progress. A financial cliff could be coming for state governments, according to the Pew Charitable Trusts. Pew analysts say many states have a budget surplus because tax revenues are up and there's more money coming in from things like the infrastructure bill. The analysts say some states have a, quote, shorter-term mindset that might make it harder for them to see the drop-off in funding a few years out. You can read all these stories and many more on statescoop.com. There are also links in today's show notes. Virginia has a new chief information officer. New Governor Glenn Youngkin appointed Phil Whitmer to the post. Whitmer was chief information technology officer for the state of Kansas. He takes over for former CIO Nelson Moe. State Scoop Managing Editor Colin Wood asked Moe what's next.
1: I'm going to take a few weeks because I've been spending a lot of time away from my wife. I telemarried for the last six years. I was down in Richmond and she was up here in Alexandria. So we're spending some time to, to get things done. We've been putting off for a long time. So after a couple of weeks of this, I'll get back into the full-time uh full-time employment mode here but right now or at least until well into february i'm going to be just it's just uh i'll do some looking but i won't commit because i gotta uh, i gotta get a lot of stuff done around the house kind of stuff so yeah but that's it'll it'll be it and then i'm looking for obviously uh, an opportunity to continue my service for my country and uh, and service to in the it and cybersecurity area but uh i'm really looking forward to that the change and um and what comes next?
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people are doing uh, home improvement stuff. What with spending more time yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic and and everything. But uh, yeah. in any case, um, so looking back at your time in in Virginia, yeah, uh, how much progress do you feel that you made with IT? Yeah,
1: I was lucky enough and and uh, I had the support of two governors and some, and several uh, administrations to get through this stuff, and I was able to be there for a little over six and a half years. I mean, the median time for a state CIO and uh, is usually under 20, 25 or 26 or 27 months. So I was there for 79. So I really think I got a lot done. And I was really blessed to have a uh, good support and a good team. And for uh, the time I was there. You know, so I made a, a significant amount of prog- uh, progress down there, I thought. And uh, Virginia, during the time I was there, was uh, did well in the, uh, the digital state surveys, was a leader in IT and uh, leader in services. And you know, um, we can talk about the initiatives here in a second, but I want to know. I felt like made, I made. I, I felt like I made a difference uh, for the Commonwealth, and um, I'm very proud of what we were able to get done down there.
3: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the initiatives. So, what were the? Yeah, I mean, CIOs do a ton yeah. of stuff, and and especially yeah. one like yourself who spent so much time there. You you took on a lot. Yeah. What what were the things that you you worked on? that You are either the proudest of, yeah. or that you felt had the most yeah. impact.
1: It's a couple of things. The, the biggest one i talk about people is that I'll talk about people and initiatives, but one of the initiatives was to develop a staff uh, that, uh, that, that, that uh, really engaged and uh, really had initiative. And I did it by, uh, by delegating, communicating and, and appreciating the staff. And the, the, for them, they were able to uh, develop a lot of initiative and work their craft. And so one of the things I think I, I left a lasting impression on was uh, in, increased uh, sense of, uh, of ability and, uh, and capability in the staff of Vita. They went through a lot down there and they should be very proud of, of the transformation that they've done as a, as a, as an agency, you know, uh, both in capability and, and reputation. That's one thing. Um, the other one, the more of initiatives that were, that, that uh, we were able to get accomplished. Obviously the big one was uh, moving away from a single supplier model to a multi-supplier model mm. that, that took almost three and a half years and uh, it set us up from a, to build to adapt, uh, build to adapt model. Where uh, we can bring in services of speed and scale, and uh, provide the 65 agencies that are under the VITA's um, infrastructure purview, you know, a lot of options. So that's the big one. You know that that was uh, I went through a lot of uh, machinations up and down. Uh, obviously, we delved in too hard, but we obviously the lawsuits were adjudicated and uh, settlements were done. And um, and it taught me a lot about uh, contract IT contracting. Hmm. And uh, to be fair, North and Roman. You Know they, they the contract was designed to recompense and consolidate, but there wasn't any opportunity in there to incentivize them, so uh, it, it wasn't designed in the contract. And so, going forward, we have those incentivizations in there
3: hmm.
1: and um and uh and the exit out clauses. So, you know, they North Carolina put 300 million dollars in the contract in the Commonwealth uh, back in 2004 or five, I think it was. And it was just uh, they're just trying to exit out in the best financial model here, and we were trying to do the same thing, so that's what the clash was. So, but it got done. And uh, it, it worked out if both parties are, are good. And uh, that would be one big one. And then from that, we have already reaping the benefits going forward. We brought cloud into the contract. The Commonwealth. Uh, r- robotic processing is a, uh, automation as a service. We've got the first, um, I think the first uh, state uh, in the nation, dual uh, messaging pr- platform. We're going to be able to offer both Google and Microsoft here in the first part of February.
3: Let me ask you about the dual messaging yeah. choice sure. there. So that's yep. um that's for 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 staff across executive agencies yeah all 60
1: the fifty five thousand entities it won't be by individuals i think the concept if we roll it out would be by agency but each agency can pick either google or microsoft mm-hmm. and then go down that road and then and then the barrier to change uh wasn't that high so if they're unhappy with it the licensing is bad or the cost gets bad they can shift now it's it's you know, i wouldn't do it very often but at least you're not locked in
3: Right. And the idea there is purely to give them choice. Whereas I think most states you get choice they... and choice
1: and licensing and any and, and licensing pressure, cost pressure from one supplier, I need to go to the other one. And that's what I've mm-hmm. learned, you know, to be fair, is that the suppliers need to be incentivized and if they do, they'll do well. And their competition after the award needs to be injected into the model. Right,
3: right. So, how what were the challenges, if any, of setting something up like su- setting up something like that? It seems like uh, kind of a natural thing um, to do, but it is rare, as you mentioned.
1: Well, it's, it's rare because you have to go through and you have to go through the barriers to inertia to change, and that's the thing. And I, if anything else that we brought to the Commonwealth in the last six years was was not be not be reluctant for change and to take the transformation. I was hired as a transformational CIO, and I believe I, I accomplished that uh, to to many degrees. And one is to, to have a philosophy and a common, uh, common driving principle that it can be done. And if anything else in your podcast uh, that people take away from this is that I would suggest that they remember those words, that, 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 the, that the philosophy or the, uh, the concept of it can be done and, and work hard at it. And that's what we were able to do. And so by shifting to this model, uh, this multi-supplier model, we can, we can, we can add, adapt and, and put in services that we hadn't even thought about. Or to our companies that hadn't been on the, on the roadmap, and so that's the beauty of it. And so you can add it, add the scale and scale it out, and then add competition in it.
3: I think I've asked you this several times in past interviews, but yeah. uh, in any case, uh, yeah. so to uh, maybe another state that's considering a multi-supplier model or wants to get started or is, is just kind of considering yeah. it, what what is your advice or first steps or yeah. what have you?
1: So the, the advice is understand that, that consolidation is one aspect and going through an MSI model is a way to, implement, way to run it. But you can have a consolidated environment but not have an MSI when i was at the house representatives we had that but and we were the integrator so we didn't have an outside integrator but uh in this case so consolidation is one thing and i think states can consolidate and a number of them have and consolidate services and they do it because they want cost transparency and cost visibility and a better cybersecurity overall arching model that seems to be the the model you know why you know why give everybody their car when you just run a bus kind of thing it, it it, it it is a little bit more cost effective, mm. and uh, and certainly from in some in, in the case of commoditized IT like cloud services, it makes sense in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, from M S I, it boils down to um, where you want to be in the in the chain of running things. I mean, there are there are professional companies out there that do this integration of work, and it's hard for an entity to hire the architects, hire the engineers, and actually integrate services. It's it's, it's you know, especially in today's pricing. And for states uh, being able to afford these for these individuals, it's better to hire that out and then and they use a shared model there. So that's been that's been my uh, my v- vision here is that from a cost perspective to the, the overall states, it's better to do that. You know, how many people you know work on their own cars now? They take most of them take the shops really.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I'd love to, but um, but it's it's really boiled down to something outsource, So
3: right, yep, I think. So uh, you boil
1: down the question. You come back and say, what what the question your your listeners here, Colin, is. Mm-hmm. The states would say, "Do we want to do it, or do we do we have the ability, or the desire, or the money to to field this team, or do we hire it out?" And since Virginia didn't have that, it was a natural fit to to bring somebody in to do it.
3: Okay, so if you had uh, if it had happened that you still had a couple more years left, what would you be working on right now? Or you uh, know, I guess another way to ask that is, what what should the next administration be doing if they were to continue the work that you started?
1: Yeah, I think yeah that, yeah Phil the the new. Uh, who's going to do a great job and uh, along with the new secretary secretary mcdermott they're going to do a great job as they as they lead the commonwealth in the next uh, evolution of i.t services and uh, services and cybersecurity services for the commonwealth you know it's going to be exciting i think for them i think um you know uh, i think it, what we saw when we when we responded to the pandemic and being able to to bring in uh, extra vpn on for for so people could pivot that way i think the incoming administration if I could give them advice, was to was to pull the uh, the all the different um, all the incoming secretaries, what their business outcomes are going to be, what they want from IT, what they want from cybersecurity, and then and then adjust to that. And then the model that we have in VITA can do can can, can pivot to those things, and specifically in the area of application support, website support, you know, IT, it, uh, uh, IT and OT, I, IT and operational I, IT security, and OT security, you know those are going to be the big things. And so they have the ability to do that now and not be, be frankly, you know, hampered by a, uh, a con- the contract structure.
3: Anything else we didn't get to in terms of your, uh, your time in Virginia that you wanted to highlight or anything that you, you think, uh, our listeners might be interested in.
1: I think one thing should be, your listeners should do is they talk about state IT uh, is, and local state and local IT is where you make a difference. And, uh, and so, being an IT procurement officer, and, and the project, uh, project, uh, um, uh, the IT projects had to go through me. And same thing with uh, with uh, the uh, the the spend, the IT spend, you know, for for um, for the infrastructure. It gave me a big picture on where Virginia is, and should they should be very proud on on that they, that we know what we're spending money on. We know what the the issues are. We know what it, we make the changes. So it's the knowledge of that going forward, and then it's just being able to take the business outcomes of how you want to get it done, you know, your priorities, business priorities, and then and then moving forward with that. So and then the, they should be very proud. I had a chance to see the 65 agencies, the wide range of them, the Department of Social Services. I was really impressed with the work they do to to make people's lives better. And same to Department of Corrections, Department of Transportation, Department of Water Vehicles. You know, they they all are working hard there. Department of Emergency Management, all working hard to make people's lives better. And it was my privilege to see to be part of that and see and and do what I can to to, to provide the infrastructure service and the contracting services for them. I think that's that's one thing that the state. I, there aren't that many state CIOs that that can can say that. I think, but I had a really good time. And it was really my privilege to uh, to be involved in that.
0: Nelson Moe, the CIO of Virginia, until earlier this month with StateScoop's Colin Wood. You can read more about the transition at Virginia's IT shop at statescoop.com. I'm Jake Williams, the host of the Priorities Podcast from StateScoop. What makes a successful state CIO? Doug Robinson, the executive director of NASIO, and Stu Davis, the former CIO of Ohio, will tell you on next week's Priorities Podcast from StateScoop. You can subscribe at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. A new year means a fresh set of priorities for state chief information officers as defined by the National Association of State Chief Information Officers. The top two priorities for 2022 cybersecurity and digital government remained at the top of the list, and there will be increased attention on broadband identity and access management as well as workforce, according to the new list. Let's break it all down now with Megan Sullivan, the cloud strategic growth leader for Deloitte's government and public services practice, and Thomas Beck, the leader of government cloud engineering for the practice as well. Well, Deloitte is the sponsor of today's show. Thomas Megan, thanks for being here. So, it's a it's a new year and there's a new fresh list of top 10 priorities for state CIOs to dive into. Megan, what does this list tell you about what CIOs are going to have on their plate this year?
2: It's a great list. I think I have two observations overall. One, the list is remarkably consistent year over year, and I think this consistency is reflective of the ongoing priorities and the core tenets of the role of CIOs rather than just one-off initiatives or technologies which come and go. However, I think that consistent consistency is a bit misleading because there are shifts in what states are doing with some of these topics and or why they're on a why they're on the list and a priority for the states. For example, cloud has been in the top 5 for at least the last 6 years, but cloud priorities in 2017 were very different than what we see in 2022. For example, we've seen a shift from if cloud to when cloud to how do I do it? And now we're looking at questions around what's next for cloud for me, and how do I make it better? The second observation is even with this consistency in the list, there's a theme around these priorities that mirror the conversations we've been having with the states. So in the initial stages of the pandemic, states were scrambling to support the unprecedented surge in demand for their services, new programs they had to stand up in weeks instead of typical months or years, a new working model for their employees, and a shift from digital government being a nice-to-have to being a necessity for us to weather this pandemic. But now in 2022, we see many of these priorities as filling in the gaps that still exist from the tremendous work the states did over the past year plus during the pandemic. Second, realizing these digital and workforce changes are here to stay and the technologies need to be sustainable to support them. And third, the state CIOs are taking a more enterprise view within their state for things like security, cloud, identity, access management, and architecture. So overall, I'm excited about what this list shows. I think it reflects the reality of what state CIOs are thinking about working on every day and talking to each other about. So we're excited uh, for what 2022 holds for these states.
0: Megan, it's such a good point to talk about the fact that the list has been pretty consistent, but the the moment that we're in is so much different, right? Thomas, I want to come to you here. I mean, what do you think 2022 has in store for these state CIOs?
4: Yeah, thanks, Cenk. I I think Megan summarized things pretty well. Um, I see three trends here specifically, especially in the top five of the list. Um, Firstly, we do have some new entrants. Um, Legacy modernization came in at number five and and wasn't on the list at all last year. Um, Secondly, uh, there are clearly some areas where uh, federal moves, including enhanced federal funding, uh, is prominent in CIO's minds, such as broadband, which has moved up to number three. And then uh, most importantly, as Megan highlighted, we continue to, have to see a focus on these uh, perennial favorites that are especially top of mind as state government uh, doubles down on citizen services, such as cyber, digital, uh, digital and cloud. So a lot of a lot of repeat candidates, I think we're in for for an amazing year in 2022.
0: You know, as as you both sort of touched on there, I mean, cloud definitely remains a massive priority for state CIOs. It may may not come in at number one, right? Cybersecurity always seems to take that spot, but but it is so, so essential for, for state CIOs going forward, specifically, as Megan said there with, it, with the multi-cloud as an emerging focus. Thomas, what are
4: you hearing in your conversations with state CIOs when it comes to multi-cloud? Very topical question. Uh, Deloitte was, uh, was honored to host a, a roundtable late last year to discuss multi-cloud with, state CIOs and their representatives from uh, across 12 states. Uh, three message themes uh, emerge in these conversations, Jake. Um, first, uh, cloud portability and choice is definitely top of mind for CIOs. Uh, they want the option to select the best cloud for them, be it public, private, or hybrid, that suits their specific uh, system needs and they want portability of these workloads across the clouds they select. Um, Secondly, there is a desire to evolve uh, risk-sharing frameworks, as they put it. That is, risk isn't binary, and there needs to be a mechanism, uh, a framework, to address understanding uh, consuming agency risk profiles and how this is shouldered across both the agencies and central IT. And then finally, what we heard that there's a great deal of uh, financial and, and fiscal complexity in managing cloud service consumption, especially across uh, multiple clouds. And, and in that case, where we are applying uh, FinOps processes and, and expertise in financial accounting to address these clients with uh, working with our state clients uh, as they address these financial complexity uh, challenges across multiple clouds
0: and and Megan I, I want to bring you in here as well. I mean what what when you think about cloud you talked about the 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 rise of multi-cloud and sort of the cloud journey that states have been on over the last couple of years but but how is cloud going to fit into the other big picture focuses for state CIOs this year?
2: Absolutely. I think in 2022 it's safe to say cloud is now a proven technology in our state government space. It works. We know it'll work in our specific environment with our specific security and data needs. So the push now is to say, for these CIOs, how do they take those large, the oldest systems that have been sitting there that they very intuitively didn't want to start their cloud journey with? And how do they get those modernized and migrated in a way that is least disruptive to the business and has the right? Uh, focus on risk. But more importantly, I think the CIOs are focused on how do they take advantage of the cloud? We've migrated an application. Great. Now how do I use its capabilities to increase the automation, to increase self-service, to decrease the routine tasks that uh, their state staff need to accomplish every day so they can focus on um, higher value tasks every day so those focus areas i think are going to be important as the cios think through what's next for cloud Uh, but the other topic we continue to hear is the state cio saying with this new adoption of cloud and we really saw an acceleration of it during the early stages of the pandemic and at the state government level with this adoption what's the role of the state cio What should I be leaving to the agencies versus where do we get economies of scale and where do we get better risk management and cybersecurity best practices when we do this at an enterprise level? And I think that's going to be an an intriguing conversation throughout the year with, with states.
0: Megan, I want to dive a little deeper into something that you sort of invoked in the middle of your answer there. And that was, of course, cybersecurity. It's no secret that cyber is pretty much always top of mind and the top priority and focus for state CIOs. But but Megan, how does that cybersecurity effort and those initiatives factor into what you're hearing from these folks as they talk through their plans for the upcoming year?
2: Right. As you mentioned, it's at the top of the list. It's been at the top of the list for at least the last six years for a reason. There's a lot to do. And states have limited resources. Um, One topic that comes up over and over again right now is states saying, what should I be doing in preparing for for this upcoming federal grant money around cybersecurity? So as part of the Infrastructure Act, there is a state and local cybersecurity act contained in it it makes significant grant funding available to state and local governments for cybersecurity. So the number one question and the number one topic for state CIOs right now is, what are they going to do with that money? Before the money question though comes, how do I get access to that money? So we're encouraging all of our states to get a planning committee together right now, develop the cybersecurity plan, and get it submitted to approval. Because although the deadline isn't until 2023, the needs exist today. And the sooner they can start thinking through how are we gonna take advantage of this federal funding to address some of the state and local concerns and real needs around cybersecurity, the better equipped they'll be. So I think that is, the conversation that's gonna take us through most of 2022.
0: And, and Thomas, what are you hearing? What are you thinking uh, when
4: it comes to what folks are doing with the cybersecurity issues right now? Yeah, I think Jake, as you mentioned, the, the intersection of, of cloud and cyber, identity and access management, um, software supply change management, risk management frameworks are just prevalent topics of conversation, which which is why cyber landed at number one again this year. Um, I think it's worth mentioning here, Jake, that Deloitte as a company uh, is a, is a, we have a single government practice. That is, our state government and federal government practices are one. Um, I highlight this because there's an incredible amount of synergy that we get um, from a one government pra- uh, perspective as we address. Um, Cyber issues and help governments and state CIOs understand how to address those issues. Um, for, for an example, when, when the conversation with state CIOs turns to State RAMP, which is an interesting topic of conversation these days, our federal government oriented staff and, and capabilities bring the experience of having gone through um, GSA's FedRAMP process, uh, accreditation, and ATO processes to help states understand how those um, standards. Uh, and how those uh, controls apply to states. Um, likewise, when we talk about software supply chains and software supply chain security, we bring extensive experience operating with uh, software supply chain in the in the DoD. It's immediately applicable to states. Um, obviously, that the reverse the reverse holds true as well. And there are some amazing lessons learned we have from operating with states and state CIOs that we apply to our federal clients. So that sharing, information sharing, uh, and practice sharing for cyber across both states and federal is really um, immensely helpful to making sure that government writ large is addressing these, these cyber challenges.
0: Another piece that, that both of you mentioned earlier was legacy modernization. Again, it, it was on... This year's list, it wasn't on last year's list, but it's been on the list in years past. Thomas, what are you hearing from folks when it comes to legacy modernization?
4: How do you see that shaping conversations this year? Yeah, I think legacy modernization has been a hot topic um, years years in the making. Um, it, it, it's been exacerbated by COVID retirements, the great resignations impact on the availability of COBOL and, and other resources necessary to maintain these systems, um, let alone f- further being stressed by systems being tasked to do things they were never designed to do, like issuing pandemic unemployment. So there's a lot of stress put on the system. Um, we went through the process of acquiring uh, an and enhancing legacy modernization capabilities uh, more than 10 years ago now as part of our, our app mod studio in Austin. Um, the studio has been pretty instrumental in, 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 the, in a one-two punch. That is. Um, uh, one modernize and then two migrate those modernized applications to the cloud. And our clients have been highlighting highlighting these successes with with migrate and uh, uh, with modernize and migrate on stage at a number of cloud conferences last year. I think Jake, with with major CSPs very recently getting into the, the legacy modernization game, we expect to see a, a pretty significant focus on this two-step transformation and modernization in the cloud in the year
0: coming. And and Megan, let's, let's wrap it up with your perspective on modernization. Maybe tell us a little bit about what everything we've covered today sort of means strategically for CIOs as they plan for the year.
2: Yeah, Jake, I think my head is spinning from the wide variety of priorities and challenges that are facing the CIOs. But with that being said, I think this means the CIOs Need to figure out how to build on the progress they've made to date. And that sounds obvious, but what I would say is the progress to date includes the progress they've made over the last year or so, which may not have been on a strategic roadmap. So, for example, if a state rolled out some automated chatbot to deal with the huge spike in uh, unemployment questions, that's progress. How do they build upon that? How do they take what they learned in that, in essence, what turned out to be a pilot for some of them? How did they take what they've learned on those, um, those steps over the past year or so and incorporate that into their roadmap moving forward? So my advice in short would be, don't go backwards. The progress they've made from a technology perspective is instrumental and they should really embrace that. And along those lines, I would say the state CIO is really thinking through how they're going to continue to socialize the role of IT with their stakeholders. Because as we've seen, we all see the role of IT in supporting everything that's happened at a state government level. Uh, over during the pandemic to date. And this continues. These workforce challenges, the stability the programs need, the scalability as demand spikes or then falls, the security and those security requirements continue to evolve and change every day, and the level of automation that it can play with some of these technologies in 2022 that maybe were still a question five years ago. So as we think through where CIOs go for the coming year, we're encouraging them to take a look back as to what they've accomplished, even things that weren't on the roadmap, and really figure out how they go from where they're starting the year as opposed to where they thought they should be at this point in time.
0: You can read more about the top 10 priorities for state CIOs on statescoop.com. The Priorities Podcast is available at PrioritiesPodcast.com, as well as on all of the podcast platforms. This show is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Emily Bamforth, Benjamin Freed, Ryan Johnston, and Colin Wood helped put this show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.